welcome to episode 225 of the Finger Guns Podcast. My name is Roscoe. How are you doing today? I am joined this week by Fresh from EGX, Joshua Thompson. Hello. Hello. Probably the, the worst person to start with. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I've just got what Miles has had all week, um, probably because we topped and tailed over the weekend. And, uh, uh, I don't know if you can hear it. You might be able to hear it, but... I it I sound very different from probably yesterday's podcast. <laughs> um, no, you sound all right, man. You sound all right. It might uh, it might hit you harder tomorrow, maybe. But uh, oh, so far, so it's good. Hit me, it's hit me hard enough today. <laughs> uh, you you having that? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Had a great weekend with Miles. Was very busy. Uh, got to meet a lot of lovely people at EGX. Um, spoke to a lot of people that kind of knew us and knew Sean as well. Uh, they were like, "Oh, is he still around?" I was like, "Yeah, he's still around." Bless Sean. Um, well, but yeah, but yeah, it was a good time. Excellent, excellent. And of course, joining him on his merry Easy X adventure was Miles Thompson. Hello there, hello there, hello there. It's nice to be back. It's good to have you back. How are you, sir? Good, thank you. I'm uh, a little bit exhausted. It's been a very long month, but EGX was awesome. And as much as it is an exhausting process in and of itself, um, yeah, like Josh said, it was really wicked. We met some really cool people, um, got to have some really nice chats um, with devs and stuff. We'll get into it more, but yeah, just feeling good, just tired at the same time. It's like this weird conundrum mix of feelings, I think. I don't even know if that made sense. Weird conundrum mix of a feeling. Yeah, there you go. There's the that's the caption of my life at the moment. <laughs> well, we got the byline for the podcast. There you go. I've sorted it. <laughs> Lovely, nice and easy there. And joining us, returning to the podcast in mighty style, it's your dog. Good evening. Hello, sir. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. How on earth are you? Uh, pretty busy, but other than that. Uh, I've got plastic glue all over my fingers from putting some Warhammer together. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Cool. <laughs> I'm not sure what to do with that, but all right. <laughs> just, just as long as you're happy, I'm happy, man. That's all that matters. Yep. Yog has sticky fingers. That's yes. what we learned. Yes, I do. You can run and run away with that if you want anyone listening. Like, I, I'm sure. I don't even know where I'm going with this. Yeah, let's move on from Yog Dog Sticky Fingers, shall we? Maybe. Wow, um, what a start. Yeah, we know how to start these podcasts, right, don't we? Hey? We sure Good do. Good We sure do. Um, all right, let's crack on with Game of the Week then. Um, Josh, from all the games you played this week, what is your Game of the Week? Uh, uh, man, God, I'll talk about what uh, just came up, lifted a... Uh... Oh, my God, my words are out of order. Uh, I'll talk about what game had their embargo lifted this week or today matter of fact as we're as we're recording and uh that was uh vlad circus descend into madness um it has felt like a really long time ago since i played that um <laughs> it was probably about just over a week ago uh <laughs> sorry it's just i think it's funny people might be listening to this going all oh, the spider-man embargo lifted today they're gonna talk about spider-man no we're not sorry man we're talking about all the other games that came out <laughs> today yeah Give some respect to the Vlad Circus. Yeah, um, let's go. <laughs> I, I really forgot about that. I, I did intentionally tee up that it could have been Spider-Man, but it's definitely not. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I've got nothing to say on that. 
Um, yeah, so the publisher sent it quite early, uh, so I had loads of time with it. Um, but I didn't really need it because it is kind of a short game. Um, I'd say it's about four hours to complete. Uh, what it essentially is, is uh, I'd say a survival horror light uh, with a focus on puzzles. Um, and it's a narrative game set in the 1920s where you play this retired clown who has uh, survived a fire that the circus was under, basically closing the whole circus because the fire killed so many people that were, t were attending and everyone that has lived from that is traumatised. Um, and the head of the circus or the ringleader uh, wants to get the band back together and has invited everyone round to his mansion uh, to basically plan a return for the Vlad for Vlad Circus. Um, and things take a turn for a worse. They don't know where this guy is, even though they're at his house. Um, the clown that you play as is Oliver Mills. He's kind of all dressed up in his clown regalia, ready to restart maybe a bit too soon. But it gives this nice little juxtaposition in tone of like this sad clown in this horrifying mansion that's got a lot of... Uh, kind of demons through uh, the clown's imaginations that kind of uh, materialize and threaten his uh, his sanity. Um, and you kind of just go through the map, kind of do a lot of environmental puzzles, a lot of logical puzzles. Um, and there isn't too much to explore. The, the level isn't, I'd say the level is in like the overall map isn't huge. You will be like replaying a lot of areas. Um, but I couldn't, couldn't put it down. I started it uh, the day I got it, or the day I could play it, and I finished it that evening. Um, and it just it's just incredible with its atmosphere. I really like the pixel art style. I think it's one of the better uh, pixel art um, executions I've seen in a very long time. Made me think of games like Norco that take the pixel art style and, and use uh, real-world, realistic, um, grungy environments and kind of bring it to life through that art style um, and they do it just as well here and they've got brilliant lighting um, a lot of the writing is kind of cool um, sometimes it hits at home uh, sometimes it, it, it's a bit um, too um, in your face and it kind of just bludgeons you with the point that it's trying to get at um, but if you want like an evening of a spooky game that's kind of got more of a puzzle focus but a uh, very cool atmosphere and a bit and a bit scary for October. Then I'd definitely pick up Vlad Circus: Descend into Madness. Um, it's on pretty much every platform that you can get on consoles and PC. So have a good time with it. Sounds perfect for the summer. Yeah, it does. Cool man, sounds great. I mean, I, I'm not gonna play it, but I'm sure a lot of people are gonna really enjoy it. You know, I don't think it's that scary. I think you'd be mm. into it just because it's kind of a, a cool little story. Okay. Um, but yeah, really cool. Nice. Nice. Uh, Miles, your game of the week, sir. Uh, this is a really interesting one because we've played loads. Um, but I didn't get Does it rhyme with um, rectal beer torrid? No, because. Okay. Yeah, we can't discuss rectal beer torrid. Torrid? Yeah, torrid. I think that's what you said. <laughs> Uh, yes. Uh, oh, no, of no. course. There, yeah, the embargo is fucking ages away, isn't it? Yeah, that yeah. is oh, not sorry. allowed. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> that is a stealth mission, Roscoe. Um, 
no so i didn't get a chance to obviously speak about it last week because i wasn't on the pod sadly uh but my game of the week i want to talk about assassin's creed mirage um i know i think you spoke about it didn't you roscoe last time when i wasn't here is that right yes i did and i'm presuming you had a good time with it and you like it yes i did Excellent. That's good to hear. Um, so, yeah, I, I wanted to kind of discuss it because I think, although I'm a bit late to the party, um, I've had a really fun time with it in a lot of ways. Um, it's nice to return to an old assassin or an older Assassin's Creed formula. Um, it's a lot more contained, a lot more kind of cutting out a lot of the what I consider the kind of blub of some of the other games. Um, and I really like the emphasis on stealth. This is one of those games where it will kick your ass the first time that you go into open combat willy-nilly and you get smashed by six guards. That sounds really strange. Um, but yeah, it's got a really strong emphasis upon actually being stealthy and being an assassin again. Virtually almost every enemy in the game can be killed with a hidden blade in one hit, which was a feature I always really liked and really disliked in Origins and Odyssey when they doubled down on not being able to do that. Um and the tools that you have available are really effective as a result because they've been made really powerful and they emphasize really quick um, stealth maneuvers. Um, so they give you not very many systems necessarily to play with, but what they do give you is very strong. You just have to work out how to use them effectively. Um, and also Baghdad is beautiful. They've really recreated the city of Baghdad um, from that time period like incredibly well. Um, and I like the busyness feel of the the kind of city itself. Um, the only thing I found that is as the game has kind of gone on, there are just some things I was like, why haven't they kind of fixed this? Like they've done this better in previous games. Why haven't they just done that here? Um, we kind of mentioned like the parkour, like you obviously still get stuck on stuff and they fixed that in Unity. And I don't know why they're not just using Unity's parkour system at this stage. Um, I think it's kind of a hangover of obviously this game was planned as an expansion for Valhalla. So it's trying to use the same parkour systems, but trying to create like the old style of parkour, um, which I think was a bit of a mishit, unfortunately. Um, and just in terms of the open combat, I don't know if you found this, Roscoe, but effectively it just boils down to when you're hitting enemies, they don't like animate that they've been hit. Like they will just keep doing what they're doing, even if you're hitting them with a sword. Um and also, it just boils down to you can just counter everything and they will always die. And you do the same animation every time. Um, so I kind of miss like the Assassin's Creed 2 where you could like chain um, like your counters like one to another. And there would be like different animations or there'd be different like enemies that you had to avoid or attack or whatever. Um, you had to mix up how to play. Whereas in this one, if you go into open combat, you just have to press triangle on everything to just count counter it and then they die. Um so I think there was some areas that they could have maybe refined a little bit more. Sense um, of what I wanted from Mirage was a shorter, smaller, more con more dense package, basically. And I got that. I got more of an emphasis on stealth, more of an emphasis on actual assassinations. And I felt like an assassin again. And I was like, that's cool. That's exactly what I wanted. So it's not a perfect game. And I think there, there are things that they can improve if they do do more of these kind of games, which I hope they do. Um, but I think as a starting point of returning to an old formula while still incorporating some of the new elements, I think it's a good start. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited and I'm hopeful that we're going to get more stuff like Mirage going forward because it was nice to come back to being an assassin and enjoying an AC game again. It certainly was. It's a it's a lovely, uh, lovely reminder of those 
Haley Days are the heights of Assassin's Creed, I think. Absolutely. Um, without, even though it does have still um, the jankiness that you come to expect from... <laughs> um, and how... Yeah, it is It is bizarrely simple how, you know, the combat is just like, oh, parry, dead. Okay, easy, move on. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not even, like, really satisfying, simple. is it? Like, it's not more really, of like yeah. a... It's more like, oh, you just press the button, then person dies, and then you wait for the next person to throw a hit, and you do the same. And I know Assassin's Creed 1 did have that, but it felt more satisfying. There were more animations, and like had a bit more style to it. This just felt very functional. Like, it was almost like, oh, you've gone into open combat. Well, you've done it wrong, so <laughs> you should just yeah. be in stealth. <laughs> yeah, I still don't like the combat on the, sh- on the uh, shoulder buttons. That irritates me. That is strange. Yeah, I don't like it. I I, sh- I should be used to it by now because I've done it now for years. But I'm like, no, take it back to where it used to be. Thank you. But no, evidently not. <laughs> Give us yeah. that nostalgia back. Yeah. But no, I uh, I do. I really enjoy it. I still haven't 100 finished it yet. But um, uh, again, it turns out there's a lot of games out this month, Miles. Oh yeah, there's uh, there's only a few, only a couple. You know, nothing make no no biggie, no major ones. Oh god. <sighs> Oh, <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> oh man. Uh Young Dog, your game of the week. Oh, uh probably going to be War Thunder. I've been playing it again with a few friends. Even if I absolutely hate British tanks, uh it's still fun to to play with friends quite a bit. But other than that, um I mean I I play a lot of Slytherin games at the minute, and now I basically work for them. I can't really uh, keep recommending them. So what else have I played? Oh, I did a bit of Dark Tide as well. They had a recent update, which uh, added some skill trees and did a few other changes here and there. Uh, so that's been quite fun to play. So, yeah, I'm just going to go with Dark Tide, I think. Um, that's a really fun game. If, any, if you've played Vermintide before... Just that, but in Warhammer 40k, um, and more of an emphasis on ranged weapons is basically what I wanted out of a game anyway. And the recent additions are really cool. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Warhammer 40k Dark Tide. All right, there we go. We haven't had Warhammer mentioned on the podcast for a couple of weeks. I, I wonder so, why. <laughs> it is a mystery. It is a mystery. So there it is. Oh, yeah, Warhammer Dark Tide. I'm hearing good things from my Warhammer friends. They seem to also be enjoying it a whole lot. So, uh, yeah, positive stuff coming from Warhammer games at the moment. Uh, what's my game? I guess my game of the week has to be now the embargo is lifted today. It's Sp- No, it's not Spider-Man. It's Hot Wheels Unleashed 2. Now, this is a sequel to a game that we gave 10 out of 10 a couple of years ago, um, and rightfully so, because it was bloody brilliant. And Unleashed 2 is essentially that but more and i can't really recommend it more than that i think it's a absolutely storming game i'm loving it i'm having a really really fun time with it it takes what you know you loved about hot wheels before about unleashed about the speed the power the drifting um the fantastic design of the levels and the design of the tracks and just kind of elevates it to a whole new level there's a campaign now which is really fun um which is all about this mad scientist who blows up these toy animals and the toy animals take it over the tracks. And it's up to you as the driver to take them down and turn them, minimum, uh, turn them tiny again or something like that. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention, but it's something like that. And it's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, there are boss levels where it's just you and this massive monster on the track. 
uh, that you got to take them down by going through certain uh, certain circles or you know, taking down certain items and you know those th- those parts are fun as well. Um, I failed a couple of them actually, uh, which I was dis- disappointed in myself about. But uh, I, in the while we got there in the end, got there in the end. Um, so it's great. It's just it's, it's more Hot Wheels and. Again, like we said, we gave the first one a 10 out of 10, so I can't really recommend it more than that. Um, there's uh, My review is coming. I know I keep saying that every week, because I will actually write something eventually at some point in the future, um, and it will be on it will be on the website. Uh, but it's uh, it's a whole lot of fun. Um, if you take this um, this Game of the Week review as a review, then it's, uh, yeah, it's another 10 out of 10 experience. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And should there be more after this? Should there be a trilogy of these games? It might end up being one of the best racing trilogies of all time because right now I'm having so much fun with it that it's very difficult to put it down. And um, of course, there's a lot of stuff coming out this week that I want to play. Uh, so I'm kind of struggling to put it down. And I'm kind of worried that I'm not going to get to these games, but there's plenty to enjoy about Hot Wheels Undies too. And if, you know, I know this week is absolute madness, but if you do have that extra wad of cash, to spend on something else that isn't, you know, the big AAA games, then Hot Wheels on these two is well worth your time. Um, it, it is a brilliant, brilliant racing game. And yeah, I can't recommend it more than that. I don't recommend races very much. Um, I think the last one I did was Forza Horizon 5 a couple of years ago. Um, and so I think this is the best one since then. And yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's just excellent. So if you're looking for a decent racer, you can't go wrong. Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 is out on the 19th of this month, and it's fantastic. So check it out if you are into it, into that kind of thing. We've lost Josh. I think his Zoom has uh, <laughs> crapped out on him. Okay. Okay. Hopefully he'll, he'll uh, be able to come back soon. Um, all right, then. We were going to have a quiz, but apparently Miles was too busy today to do one and is tired. And so there isn't one. What? Sorry. No, no quiz. That's the entire no. reason I returned. I know, uh, I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry I was away all weekend. Took me ages to get home. I don't know. I just had too much to do. I'm sorry. Top, top. I'm awful. I know. Just say Officer <laughs> Tenpenny and I'll give you the win. <laughs> Officer Tenpenny. <laughs> there, well, Yogg-Dog. there you have it. Yog Dog wins the quiz. <laughs> sorry, Roscoe, you opened up. Oh. Damn it. Oh, well, never mind. Well, when I when I eventually do that list of wins, I'm officially adding this one as a win. So it's all good. <laughs> it's fine. I've officially uh, certified it as a win for you, so you can claim it. No, I am still the reigning champ. I've just come back to say it three <laughs> times in a row, baby. <laughs> yeah, God knows what happened. I think the internet, internet just uh, had a hissy fit with me. You went quiet, and I tried to find the chat function. Okay, I'll, I'll transfer this to Josh if he can guess what Eva was needed to say in order to win. Oh, I won. I'm a winner. It's three weeks in a row. <laughs> no, we were joking about this week's quiz because I couldn't do it. So I said... Yeah, and last, or last week. And so I'm the reigning champ for three weeks. <laughs> Josh is just claiming all of them now. What do you mean? I won the last quiz last week. <laughs> there was no quiz, so I was still a winner. This week, still no quiz. I'm still the winner. Uh, but I, is... I, I just got officially told that I'm the yeah. winner of this week's quiz. By there the there quiz technically master, was a so. quiz. Yeah, there was only one question. Oh, well, that's just disqualified because I wasn't here. 
<laughs> which, which is why I'm giving you the chance to, if you can guess what it was, what needed right. to be said. Okay. What, without any context, I just need to guess a word? Yeah, that wasn't a yes. question. That literally wasn't even a question. I've just got to guess a word and it's got to be right. Yeah. yeah. I'm the winner, baby! <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. I think this is better than actually me having made a quiz. Yeah, there we go. That's it. Sorted. Three weeks. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm I'm two 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 weeks. I'm I'm afraid Yog does win this one. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, I didn't hear what you said, so there's no recollection, there's no record in my brain, so I'm the three week champion. Yeah, it's we'll not being, it's not being recorded or anything. You're aware that we're recording this, right? I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, for who? <laughs> for the millions of people around the world that listen to our podcast every week yeah that's true so they'll agree with me that I'm just a winner well, I guess we'll find out when it goes live <laughs> yeah but we'll f- find out next week who will but for now this. Miles did put out a question your dog got the answer first ergo your dog's a winner wait so it there was a question I was just told a- to say a word it ain't yeah. our fault that your internet crapped out you know what I'm saying it, it wasn't it wasn't a question what did you say it's just more- the first person to say a specific term. <laughs> oh, well, then it's obviously Officer Tenpenny, then, isn't it? <laughs> it was, indeed. You are correct, yes. Yeah. That was yeah. this week's quiz. But, uh, I win. Yog smashed it. Three weeks. Should, should we move on? Yes, let's move on, for the love of God. Um, okay, so no quiz. So uh, what we're going to do, we're going to let Miles and Josh talk a bit about EGX. Because this weekend, they went all the way down to the old London town. Now EGX is all indie games. So they went to there and played a load of indie games and couldn't be bothered to queue up for stuff, basically. Is that right? I mean, yeah, that's couldn't be pretty on point. I, <laughs> I definitely would class a little bit of mine being that I couldn't be asked to stand in queues for games well, that way. Yeah, there's like a whiff of can't be asked, but that's only because um, we just wanted to be more efficient with our time. We're just really mm. excitable people. We just want to play all the games. Now, two weeks ago, well, 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 hang on, hang on, two weeks ago, Mars Thompson, I said, Oh no, if you can do one thing for me, why didn't you ask Josh this? Remember all the cool things I do for you? I do a lot of cool things. You do, you do, you do lots of cool things. It's embargo, there's a very cool thing I'm doing for you right now. Let's not talk about it. Yeah, it's redacted, but it is, yes, it is redacted. What's that? You're playing Spider Man (laughs) 3? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I'm already a whole uh, trilogy ahead. I asked you for one thing. I said, hey, Mars, while you're there, could you uh, check out Sonic Superstars for me and see how it's shaping up? And you went, yes, Roscoe, I will do that for you. I don't recall saying yes to it. I have <laughs> it on the bloody podcast. Oh, crap. Oh, that was an error on my part. I thought you just asked him for some mint chocolate chick ice cream or something. Yeah, see that that I could do. That I could give you feedback. No, dog, you were not on that episode. Let's not, no, let's no. not get on that one. <laughs> If it Which makes means feel... I, I'm free to make up whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have an EGX question, though. Go on. I'm not Did done yet. Re- I'm not done yet. Oh, oh, I okay. am not done yet. <laughs> Roscoe right, needs to so... get through this. All right, let's let him. Look, I understand when there's queues, you don't really want to. last thing you want to do is jump in right at the back. I get it. It's fair. I understand that. But you use your time more wisely. You go there first as soon as you arrive. Then you go and do the indies. God. See, I don't, 
I, I don't think we would have been able to do it and then do the rest of the day, genuinely. The, the queues were that long. The demos were lasting long enough that we would have probably been there minimum hour and a half, uh, more like two hours. Gen genuinely, because there was just that many people for Sonic and there was just about as many people for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Which was wild. But wow. also, Roscoe, I'm going to be straight up with you. Do you really think you would have liked my feedback about a Sonic game? <laughs> I'd have been like, Roscoe, mate, 2 out of 10, don't bother, shit. I wasn't looking for like your opinion on it. I was like, <laughs> is it is it running in 60k? Is it just nice? Is it just is it is is it fun? I wasn't looking for like your critique on it. Yeah, I was, I was just like those is no. Oh. I imagine because yeah. it was coming out so soon, like like as of this is posted, it will be out today. That we were yeah, like, yeah, we're... not too much longer to wait to find out what Sonic's like because you there's there's no way you're missing day one for Sonic. No, no. no. I will. I, would, I, will, I would check out... spoil your hype. <laughs> yeah, we did check out Mario Wonder, and we squandered that hype as well. Yeah, yes, you we did. did. You murdered that, that as well. <laughs> oh, um, honestly, if you do want to know what um, Miles and Josh thought of Super Mario Wonder and a bunch of other games, do go check out the EGX special which they recorded, which is up now. Includes a very cool interview with the animation director from Assassin's Creed Mirage, Mr. Benjamin Potts, um, in which Miles cornered him and wouldn't let him go until he answered all of his questions. It was and, very uh, nice. <laughs> it was a very, very cool thing uh, for us to be able to do. Um, so, yeah, that's a more in-depth look at EGX. Um, but I just wanted to ask quickly, overall, um, did you guys have a good time? What was your favourite game? Et cetera, et cetera. Let's go. Mr. Miles Thompson. God, favourite game. Well, first off, I had a wonderful time. I really, really enjoyed this. I knew I was going to have fun, but I didn't expect to enjoy it quite as much as I did. Um, and I think focusing on indies was a really big part of that because a lot of the stuff I ended up trying, I hadn't heard of before. So I just got to swing on in and give it a go. Um, I had a couple of favorites. One of them, I think, is going to really make you happy, Roscoe. So the first one was Robobeat, which is basically Metal Hellsinger meets Ghost Runner, which if anyone Holy knows crap, anything awesome. about. Honestly, I Josh pointed out, he's like, it's free. And it was like the first one we went to. I sat down, I was like, this is so sick. Like, I couldn't have asked for a better game to start this off with. Um, and I even got a compliment from the dev because he said that um, he looked over and I'd already finished it or whatever, or got to the end. And he was like, huh, most people don't get to the end that fast. <laughs> I was like, I played a lot of Metal Hellsinger recently. Um, and then the other one was Billy Bust Up, which is like a 90s Banjo-Kazooie type platformer, but it's like an animated like Disney movie almost. Um and it's got you this... have my attention let's go uh, I, it gets better roscoe it gets better so the initial part of the demo was like you just kind of exploring like this haunted mansion thing um and you're doing like basic platforming collecting things whatever and then you meet like the villain of the demo who's like this crazy creature thing it can like expand in all directions it's like this demon of darkness i don't know um but it's like basically mocking you saying how it wants to kill you so that you can join its party um you can't join it if you're alive um, so it starts chasing you and it turns into like a Crash Bandicoot chase sequence, you know, like when you're running from the boulder and so you're facing the camera trying to run and um, he, he then starts singing about all the different ways he's going to kill you. And then as he's singing about the different ways, they'll come up on screen. So he'll t sing about like putting you on toast and then he'll be like slicing loaves of bread trying to get you. Um, and you're just running away from this thing. It gets more and more intense. The music was sick. Like I was humming it for like a good 20 minutes afterwards and it was still stuck in my head the next day. Um, 
And Josh even said, I was really trying so hard because you're obviously on like the show floor to not smile and laugh my way through this demo. I was really, really trying. And Josh was like, you were still bopping your head. You were still like <laughs> singing along to it. And I was like, yep, it was just almost kind of like intoxicated with just how entertaining it was. Um, and I'm not the biggest platformer fan. Obviously, I love Banjo-Kazooie and Conker's Bad Fur Day back in the day, but that was it. Um, and I don't like musicals. So it was like two of my least favorite things, potentially. And I probably no, had the most fun of any game on it. Two of my favorite things. Let's go. There you go. There <laughs> you go. I see I got you, man. I let you down on Sonic, but I got you this instead. This is my replacement gift to you. Okay. That sounds great. It sounds really interesting. Yeah. Really good um, concept. And also, what's this about you not showing happiness and joy on the show floor? That's what the show floor is for. It's full of video games. It's more just like, you know, when you've got like a queue of people behind you and they're like sort of all staring at your gameplay, like watching you. It's kind of like that little bit. It was the only time I think I felt like in any way self-conscious because I knew that if I like caved into the singing along, I just look like a mess. <laughs> so I was just like, don't do it. Robo B, I was like bopping my head along and I was quite happy with that because it's the point of the game. But yeah, this one, I was like, no, no, I've got to contain this because if I don't, I'm going to look like an absolute state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, listening to your rubber beat sounds. Sounds like a Mars Thompson joint, without a doubt. Honestly, could not be a more game, more me game, if, I don't know, if they just, like, scanned my brain and made a video game out of it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, otherwise, I think it was just doing the interview was a big highlight, um, getting to talk to someone, you know, who's working on such a, a big AAA game and a series that I've loved. Um, that was just really kind of significant um but just also like the little interviews or not even interviews just like the chats that we had with a couple of the devs um so we spoke to a guy called gary at wide productions and a guy called james with humble games um and i got to speak to nick who is like the marketing head for firefly which make the stronghold games um and i basically just had a big fangirl chat about how i've played stronghold most of my life um and how i love the games and how i desperately want them to make stronghold crusader um definitive edition so it was just really cool getting to chat to people who are you know behind the scenes of actually developing these games that we play and review it's like a whole different perspective and i know it sounds a bit cliche but like the passion and just the enthusiasm and the friendliness of them really struck me like all of them were such lovely people um and we took up quite a bit of their time asking them as many questions as we could. Um, but they took it all in stride. And yeah, they were awesome people. And it was really nice to put faces behind the games that we play and love. So yeah, just awesome experience. Loved it. And just thanks for getting us press passes. And thanks for the opportunity to go. That was all Stronghold you, man. Fans Unite. <laughs> Which fans <laughs> unite? <laughs> Stronghold. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, it was really popular actually. There was always people on the booth, so I think it's having a bit of a resurgence again. Nice. That's cool. That's cool. Did you get um did anyone know you from Finger Guns when you were there? Uh anyone who knew Finger Guns, did you say sorry? Yeah. Well that knew you from Finger Guns. Uh no one knew me. Um the James from Humble Games um asked about Sean. He was like, Oh, is Sean still with you guys? And we were like, Yeah, yeah. Um, so he remembered Sean. Um and I think someone had mentioned us at some point. Oh, the main kind of press person from EGX was like, oh, are you the guy from Finger Guns? And I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, cool. I'm this person. And I was like, oh, wicked. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of like getting recognized, but we definitely had a couple of moments, which was cool. Recognize Sean, did they? Eh? Well, that's, uh, that's great. That's just, <laughs> that's just great. 
<laughs> Sorry to break it to your Oscar. Damn. Hey, Damn. at least they didn't recognize one of us for like an awful review that we put out. So that's nice. You know, we're not on like the, the blacklist for publisher. <laughs> <laughs> we don't oh. do bad reviews. That's not our MO. Exactly. No. Hell no. <laughs> um, awesome. Um, Josh, how did you find EasyX? Yeah, uh, same as Mars. Can't really say much else. Just had a lot of fun. Um, I think uh, in terms of favorite games, I think our favorite games are when we were caught off guard the most. And I think the one that we were caught off guard the most with and ended up having like the most last with was uh, Make Way, which is like a top-down kart racer, uh, a bit like Ultimate Chicken Horse, where you at each round you pick a, a part of the map and then you design a map as a, as a group and you drive it and compete against each other. And, you know, hilarity ensues. And, yeah, we had so much fun with that. Um, yeah, that was one that caught, that was surprising and had a lot of fun with. But, yeah, I just enjoyed all of it. Seeing Sam Lake in the flesh was awesome. Um, kind of getting to talk about Alan Wake 2 and some of the fan questions that we heard were kind of ones that, that aren't media trained. You know, they're not told not to say this or that, so they ask all types of questions. And if Sam Lake could answer them, he did. Um, so bless him. He was super tired from flying over to, from New York to, to London to see us. So yeah, that was really fun. Nice. Nice. What kind of stuff are they asking him? Um, it's some of them are very like mundane, like, you wouldn't hear it in an interview type questions, but you you're sort of interested because you're nosy about Sam Lake because he's a bit of a a known quantity these days. Like you know, there is a personality around Sam Lake that people want to get to the middle of, and so they're just asking him questions. One of them was like so so, I mean, it was a silly question. It was like, what uh, if you were asked the question now that you wish you were asked, what would it be? type question and he was like oh <laughs> perplexed by that i think everyone in the audience was perplexed and the person just uh further reiterated like oh what do you want to tell us now that you've never been able to say before um and he just said uh i like my coffee dark roasted and black and that was it <laughs> um <laughs> nice. so yeah so it was just questions like that a, a lot of like really um sort of I wouldn't say fan service, but like people that are really into like specific games like Alan Wake or and and the music in that and the bands used. And he was asking about um how you integrate those the music into those scenes. And and Sam Lake gave a really, really in-depth, passionate answer for that. And I don't think you get that many other places. Yeah. Yeah, I think um when when these guys are in front of their fans, I think they feel very relaxed, don't they? And they feel like they can just be a bit more open and honest about things that they can't talk about. Obviously, they aren't NDA'd like the asshole, but... Um, yeah. yeah. It's just that he knows he's going to a room full of people that adore adore him. So it's going to be it's gonna be a little easy, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, but that's awesome. Um, yeah, I guess he looks like Max Payne. Uh, completely, entirely, and utterly. Also, like he has. Is that age, weird? Or was that like? Was that like a little off-putting seeing Max Payne on stage? Um, no, because he's in like he's in Alan Wake too now as well. So I've seen some footage of him in game as that. Mm. So 
it feels like it's just an actor now, like that right, yeah. you would see on TV now that you would see in real life because the footage we see in game is so lifelike that it's not like the squished, squished up, squinty face that he makes as Max Payne. Although someone <laughs> did cos, someone did cosplay as Max. Max Payne, the old school, had a mask over his face that was the exact rendition of the uh, PS1 graphics Max Payne face, which was awesome. He loved uh, that. Sounds very cool. Because I remember walking past um, Aaron Staten at EGX once. Um, he was the guy that played Cole Phelps in El Noir. Oh, and yeah, sure. Like his, yeah, exactly. And his face is his face. So yes, it was. it was just like, that 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 was quite new at that time of video games. You know, they weren't like just like for sure putting the actors in the games as well. They were using their voices or their performances, and it was like, holy shit, that's Cole Phelps! <laughs> it's like Cole Phelps just literally walked past me. Oh, I would have thought your face was more exaggerated because <laughs> you know the La Noir when they're trying to do the tail faces with the by the raise of the eyebrows or the nose or whatever. Yeah, they kind of did that. They kind of do that in game. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Nice one. Uh, well, I'm glad you guys had uh, such a good time. Um, I, I, I knew you would, CGX. That's what, that's what happens. But um, yeah, I've seen some people were a little disappointed with the amount of stuff that's on the show floor. Um, people were, I don't know, maybe expecting a little more. I don't know if you if you guys found that to be the case. Um, yeah, I mean, we're not signed off to not say anything about it to from what other people have said, but yeah, a lot of people kind of had the same thoughts and feeling that it is downsizing a little bit with what it's showing on the on the floor and the attendance is reflecting that as well. Like it's not the biggest EGX that they've had in a while. Um, I think there was a resurgence after COVID for the excitement to go back to EGX, but this is, this is like the first normal EGX back, I'd say, you know, no social distancing, but they've kind of kept that sort of spatial awareness of social distancing. So mm. booths are quite spread out. Um, and it is just all on one one room, one little section. I mean, it, no, not even that half of it, because the other half is like the, the LAN party stuff, the retro stuff and the arena and the theatre. So, yeah, half of it is brand new games that are playable. So I guess the selection isn't wide, especially for if you're looking for AAA. The, I'd say the only big dogs there were Sega and then Nintendo, but Sega were showing more stuff off at once, whilst Nintendo just had a massive booth for what was just Mario Wonder which is cool. It meant that queues were short and that a lot of people got to play Mario Wonder, including us, because there were so many screens to tap into, um, as opposed to Prince of Persia having about eight. Um, yeah. Mario, I would say, had closer to like 20. Um, so yeah, it was just um, not as many big games. There was so There was a lot of good indie games, but at the same time, there probably could have been more of those as well. Um, I reckon maybe it's not cheap to set up shop at EGX. Um, so the ones that are fortunate to afford it, they are there. But, you know, some of the even smaller scale developers might not be able to make it there because of perhaps a price point is just too high for the for the return that they'll see with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think hopefully it'll go back someday to its um to its major kind of like major triple A's so a lot in, in every corner of the room but I don't know maybe publishers are looking at the prices now maybe kind of restrain themselves as well 
you know, I think EJs could be overcharging them. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is, but there is um, there is a uh, yeah a significant kind of uh, downsizing of EGX certainly since COVID. Yeah, and I think the side effect of COVID is companies um, just doing their own stuff now. Um, yeah, and not do and the and the sort of slight death of E three just means that streaming um, is just that much of an important thing to do. And if they're doing it on their own, they can and they will and they have like sony um jeff Keighley does a lot of stuff all year round um and that has so many eyes on it they might not be playable demos but that's not to say that during the event when you're watching it that they'll announce a playable demo at that time like the last thing i remember is ghost runner 2 was announced that the demo is playable right now during stream so they can do stuff like that which circumvents the whole live sort of show floor aspect of it anyway yeah. Um, Yo, dog, you had a question before I rudely interrupted you. I was just going to ask whether many strategy games are at all, which, uh, and did you, either of you manage to try any at all? Uh, there are a couple. Um, I might be the person to go to for this one. <laughs> um, so obviously Stronghold was there, the Definitive Edition, and they showed off one of the new campaign levels um, that they've made specifically for this edition. And it kicked my ass, even as someone who's played all of the series all of my life. Uh, I put it straight on hard and I got rinsed. So that was cool. Um, there was one, what was the one called, Josh, the alien one? Uh, it's like Siren something of the something. Yeah, Silence of the Siren. That's the one. Um, and I didn't get a chance to actually play that in the end, but it did look quite cool. And it had like a good stream of people playing it the entire time. So obviously whatever it was serving, people were liking. Um, and then I also played one called Bulwark Falconeer Chronicles, um, which is kind of like a hybrid RTS base building kind of exploration thing. Um where you've got like a ground level where you're basically building things and then using the kind of directional stuff to just place structures, um, gather resources and build up kind of island bases. And then the whole map is set on like an ocean and there's just islands dotted around with five different factions to manage relationships with um, and all sorts of things to like discover and conquer and all sorts. Um, it's quite an interesting one, the Bulwark, because it doesn't play like any other strategy game I've played um so yeah a couple of them there are probably worth checking out um i don't think there were too many other strategy ones i think those were the main ones but i think zero cyber and uh end zone were both there as well yeah um starship awesome. troopers terran command was there as well uh, with oh, yeah. Raising Hell. yeah with yeah, the DLC. So, yeah seven new missions and stuff like that so yeah there was there was a few awesome thanks and they were well populated. So uh, the strategy game genre is doing well. It does feel like these last few years it's seen a bit of a resurgence in popularity. Like the last five years or so. I've seen a lot of my friends who haven't really played many historically start getting into a couple. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah, they definitely feel a bit more accessible than they used to, I think. Um, and I think this reflected that because there was a few of them and they all seemed pretty popular for much of the time. So, yeah, looking good. Awesome. How was uh, Greggy? Your Greg ship? Greg like I didn't was... see a lot of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Greg was good. He um he milled around with us uh, quite a bit on the first day. And then on the second day, we were going about different, like, 
interviews and doing different booths and stuff um and greg was doing his schmoozing up in the uh the press scene um but yeah he was uh doing well he played a couple of games he quite liked was it x4 i think he quite enjoyed um and he also recommended a couple of the races um which were quite good fun too um but so yeah we saw a bit of him to be fair and then we had a pint with him at the end nice good good i wonder what email is gonna send me <laughs> all of them i hope so i do hope so um all right then talking to vgx um Away from all the good news and all the wonderment of EGX, um, there was a little bit of uh, controversy with Just Stop Oil protesters interrupting a Tekken tournament that was going on during EGX. Um, according to multiple people that attended EGX in London on Sunday, during the final of a Tekken tournament, group members rushed to the stage and covered the monitors with orange paint. Images from the event showed the protesters being surrounded by security guards. Three, three members of the group appeared on stage and began to spray orange paint. They then began to give a speech to the crowd before being swiftly removed by security. VGC have contacted the organizers of EGX for the comment. I want to update the story should we receive one. There's nothing just yet. But Just Stop Oil tweeted, This isn't a game. Just Stop Oil disrupt UK's biggest gaming convention. Three supporters of Just Stop Oil have disrupted the winners of the winner's final of Tekken 7 at EGX 2023. Covering the equipment in orange paint. We're fighting for our lives. Join us. Um, you know, I don't really know what to make of this. Uh, it was a it's kind of a very bizarre story. Uh, just of all I've said since then, uh, video games let us escape into new and exciting dimensions, but real world physics are about to deliver the deaths of billions. Put more carbon into the atmosphere at this point, and it's game over. Gamers cooperate to win, and we need these skills to survive. Everyone must step up and join in civil resistance against new and new oil and gas, because this isn't a game. Let's unite to make this world safe, so we can get back to exploring cyber worlds. Uh, Josh, what'd you make of this? Um, uh, it's it's the right cause at the wrong moment uh, and the wrong target. Yeah, that's what they. But do having best. said, having said that, we're talking about it, um, raising that awareness that they're after, uh, and spreading the information of what their kind of goal is, um. I think it speaks more to the UGX um, event itself and the security itself um, as uh, whilst this was like a quote unquote noble cause of a, of a thing that happened, there were things earlier in the weekend that were going on that was just straight up harassment. Um, I remember there was a talk on Friday or Thursday um, about equality or and accessibility in gaming, I think it is. Um, and there were people uh, heckling them with homophobic and sexist remarks and it just kept on going uh didn't stop nobody stopped them um <clears throat> so people like that people like just stop oil they're getting into these events because the security is pretty lax getting in there i could have brought anything in there they did a quick check of my bag um and then let me through and that was it um and just because it is a an event that is open to the public, anybody can turn up. I think uh, Miles and I had our own personal experiences with people that were just had bad etiquette. They weren't necessarily like evil people, but they were just rude, selfish, and just had no regard of other people. And this is kind of what they're doing. Um, it's hitting the little people that kind of are just going about their day. Um, there's 
there's been loads of outcry that uh, the gaming industry as a whole uh, with kind of <clears throat> the grassroots of it all, people that are kind of very eco-conscious, whether it be the way they distribute games, the causes they enact uh, whilst they're producing games, the sort of the leaning towards trying to be more of a net neutral company or um, having less of a footprint on their industry. Um, there are so many people in, in this games industry that are doing that, that their bit so to speak, in terms of <clears throat> trying to be more eco-conscious. Um, also, I think the audience, the uh, us lot, we are all, all conscious of it in a way. Um, I think you have to be a little bit silly to not <laughs> um, in general. And the targets were the people that were funding it, like um, uh, I think, I believe it was Barclays that had part funding ship of EGX this year. And that's kind of who they were putting their aim at but yeah they did it on a Sunday the last day they did it on a final where only the passionate people are going to be there so it was barely anyone there um and they just destroyed people's equipment and I mean outside of just disrupting a silly little game that had a competition of five thousand pounds to the winner which could mean a lot to someone uh especially as it was like an open call, like anyone could have participated in that match as long as they qualified. £5,000 is, you know, life-changing to some people. And it was just spoiled by people that were enacting uh, a good cause on in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, it's it's it, it feels, you know, right to get behind their cause. Uh, but they... They just go. They, they just go about it in the most frustrating of ways, and it makes them look lesser. And it makes the cause look lesser because they're not choosing the right targets, and yeah. that 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 becomes the most frustrating thing about it. Because they do have a point. They have a they have a, they have a, they have a fantastic point, and it is something that we should all support and get behind. But it's just like just 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 choose your just paint your target somewhere else. You know that seems to be the point, and it, it's um it really is. Frustrating to see this, especially at EGX. Um, you know, I know that a couple of years ago, Sean had an issue getting through London because they were they were gluing themselves to the tube or something, um, and um, the tubes were cancelled because of it. And ego, Sean was late for his appointments at EGX or something. And it's just like, you know, these things these things do have massive implications, and maybe it's just a way of interrupting the daily flow of life to get a point across. I understand that. Um, but it's just the people that would support you are the ones that are getting hurt, it would seem. You know, gamers, especially yeah. young gamers growing up now, are very aware of, um, you know, the global horror that is kind of like global warming. And they're very aware of tactics used by companies to avoid playing their part in global warming. And they're, they're very aware of what is wrong with the world and what they need to do. You know, young people that are at UGX are very aware of this, but they grow up knowing this stuff. And so they would probably be on the side of Just Stop Oil. And, you know, we probably all would be and should be, but they've, they just, they're just, they're just, they're just dicks about how they get their message across. And that's a, it's a systematic issue, which, which means that people won't support them. And as yeah, such, you know, that's, agree. that's just, um, it's just how it is, unfortunately. Um, Yog, what do you make of Just Stop Oil? It's a weird thing to talk about on a games podcast, but here we are very quickly. I mean, they have a fairly, well, it's not even a fairly noble cause. It is just a noble cause. This planet, unfortunately, 
is something we need to take care, better care of as a species and we're not taking the relevant steps to do so but i would say that a good quantity of people especially younger people know that um there's very limited things we can do uh, other than reduce our own carbon footprint but you know we gotta have some form of escapism and for a lot of people video games is that escapism but apparently we're not even allowed to have that now without it being attacked so um i'm i'm conflicted on the one hand i completely appreciate the entire stance they have and i understand that we need to do better but um i also feel that i mean they've chucked paint over a bunch of equipment that equipment's going to have to be replaced and just the carbon footprint from getting the replacements and everything is kind of crazy anyway so the and in terms of publicity i've heard it obviously via uh, our slack channel and so on i saw it mentioned in there when it happened but outside of that i've not seen it really anywhere so it's not like it's had much outreach either in general it's not the demonstrations which like stopping traffic in cities and all sorts which seem to get um a lot more attention but I, I think the phrase is uh, there's no there's no bad publicity or something along those lines but i think that's wrong there definitely is and if they want to go about recruiting more people to their cause this seems to be the wrong way in my eyes um you're antagonizing people and i just don't feel like antagonizing people is a good idea if you want to try and get them on side so uh, i guess that's my two penny Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, that's exactly how I feel about it, really. Um, Mars, want to finish this off? You'll take down Just Up Oil with your bare hands. Yeah, man, I'll take them down. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I agree with the sentiments. It's it's the right message. They've got the, a noble cause to it, but I kind of have this with any kind of uh, movement of any kind. You know, you could have the best message and the best cause, but if you go about it in the wrong way, you're only going to alienate the very people who you're supposed to be convincing to you know take up the side of um and i i just think like if their intention was to you know make a demonstration to barclays as the sponsor well they failed because barclays wouldn't have given any less of a shit about this they funded it they sponsored it they've already achieved what they wanted to out of the event it makes no difference to them um that some equipment gets orange stuff sprayed all over it and then three idiots stand up and make a scene um I always feel with these movements, you should be targeting where you would like to actually make the difference and targeting a gaming convention on its final day in its final hours with a modicum of people left is achieving nothing. Um, and I think on a personal level, it always just makes me roll my eyes and just sort of, you know, not want to even bother giving them the time of day, which is completely antithetical to what they're trying to achieve. Um so yeah it's just a bit of a sour note and it's unnecessary um and yeah like yog and josh and yourself have said just wrong time wrong place wrong action um but the cause itself is worth supporting i just wish they'd figure out a way to do it with a way that actually encourages people to support them rather than puts them off entirely because at the moment i have no desire to have any part of their stuff and 
that's a shame because the actual cause itself is the right one. Indeed. So good but bad, just a boil. Go to your room and think about what you did. And that's all I can say to it at this point. Um, all right, then let's talk Activision Blizzard. Uh, because this week the deal finally closed. Miles, it's over. It's actually over. It's it's like the, it's like what you post on Twitter with the Frodo meme when he's like, "It's over. We're free now. <laughs> it's just done. <laughs> Finally, Activision Blizzard are now owned by Xbox officially, one hundred percent. No qualms about it. It's done. It's over. We don't have to talk about it anymore ever again until all the games come to Game Pass. Of course, and we'll talk about it. But uh, thank the Lord. What has come out uh, since then is um, Activision boss and CEO, everyone's favorite guy, Bobby Kotick, will remain as CEO until the end of 2023. Um, I'm reading, of course, from VGC, Mr. Tom Ivan. Activision Blizzard's long-serving boss, Bobby Kotick, will remain as CEO until the end of 2023, following Microsoft's acquisition of the Call of Duty publisher. Almost two years since the deal was announced on Friday, Microsoft finally closed it's 68.7 billion merger with Activision Blizzard. Kotick will report as Microsoft's head of gaming, Phil Spencer. Quote, I have long said that I am fully committed to helping with the transition, Kotick said in an email to the Activision Blizzard employees today. Phil has asked me to stay on as CEO of ABK. Reporting to him, and we have agreed that I will do that through the end of 2023. We both look forward to working together on a smooth integration for our teams and players. Uh, let's uh, let's go round the clock on this one. Um, Miles, I'm kind of glad Kat's still here because I'm sure she'll have something to say about this. Uh, but how do you feel about uh, Kotick sort of staying at least for another two and a half months or so? Uh, I think it's a bit of a cop-out. I'm not going to lie. The the prick should be gone. Um, and I don't like to mince my, like, mince my words with him. He's overseen a foundation of a really horrible industry atmosphere and everything else that's gone on he sh- the hope really was that when this kind of takeover went through that at least but we'd be rid of bobby kotick as soon as possible and the fact that he is staying on a bit longer it's not surprising from a business point of view fine it makes sense on a personal level and on the level of like i think what we hoped was that phil spencer being the kind of guy that he is he would have a bit more sense to be like okay let's just rip all of that kind of stuff out and just get all of our things in order um so it's a bit of a shame that they're taking um a kind of lesser step in terms of action at this stage but also we are finally going to be rid of him hopefully fingers crossed that he will finally be gone and i think that can only be a good thing and i do hope that microsoft get into activision blizzard and really kind of clear house of all of the the toxic stuff that was going on um I think it does need an overhaul in the company in terms of its approach to management and the kind of atmosphere that they fostered, particularly for their female employees. Um, So yeah, the sooner the better. And yeah, I just hope that Microsoft do follow through with it and Phil Spencer does do the right thing and actually brings it in-house and sorts it out properly, which I hope he will. Um, So yeah, I'd like it to be sooner, but we don't live in an ideal world. So preferably ASAP will do fine. Uh, yes. I mean, it's not that far away. No, we can. Um, yeah, two months is okay. <laughs> yeah, you can have you. You can have your two months contract, and then leave with your billions. Yeah, he's going to get four hundred million, which is quite disgusting. That Fuck. yeah, he's literally one of the richest dudes in America, and he's getting a four hundred million payout for effectively 
not doing anything, but just selling the company to someone who will be more competent than him. America. What a world. America! <laughs> America! Well done. Uh, your dog. How do you feel about the two and a half month extension for Bobby Gotick? Well, the guy's a bit of a con, isn't he? Um, well, yes. Yes, this is true. To, to say the least. Uh, honestly, it doesn't really matter. I mean, he's going to get paid out however many millions. I mean, he's getting 400 million out of the deal because of his shares he owns. So whether he stays or not, he's, he's going to be good. Um, and I'm... I question whether Blizzard is ever going to regain, or Activision Blizzard, is ever going to regain much standing and goodwill from the gaming community at large. It's going to take a huge effort over the the coming years. Him staying a couple of extra months isn't going to really have too much of a bearing on it. Um, It just means instead of us being happy he's gone now, we'll be happy he's gone in a couple of months' time, um, as long as they don't fully keep him on after. So, yeah, I don't really have too many feelings on the matter other than that Bobby Kotick's a cunt and everyone hates him for good reason. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that kind of says it all, really. Um, Josh, have you got anything to add? Um, just that I think maybe some people are a little bit disappointed with how the deal has um, ended and what kind of things we are seeing on Game Pass straight away isn't maybe necessarily what the audience wanted. Um but yeah, I think it is what it is. Uh, glad it's over. I'm glad someone is on their way out finally. Uh, it feels like it's been a long time. Feels like there's been a lot of awful headlines. Um, and I, I just like the anecdote that he got probably one of the worst people to kind of do a, a, an awful audience roundup for a revi- potential revival to Dyro with James Corden. It's just like, well, we saw him at that white party together. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just trying to bag on evil people and annoying people. Could um, I chuck some orange paint over him? Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll do that. I'll turn their white party to an orange party. and then Oh, see, if Just a Boy wants some supporters, that's what they need to do. They just need to spray Bobby Kotick in orange paint. Everyone will love him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Corden. Yes, and him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd sign up tomorrow if Corden got out with orange paint. Yeah, me too. I'll be on the answers. front line as well. Yeah. Um, I'll be up for that. So, yeah, uh, Corden gets another couple of months and 400 million, and we get Call of Duty Black Ops on Game Pass. See, everybody wins. Kind of. Um, it looks like Game Pass won't see COD games until at least January or February of next year. But there is rumours that something is going to be landing on Game Pass from Activision on the 17th of October, which is, of course, tomorrow or today, um, the day you're listening to this. Um, that's just rumours right now float, floating about, but it looks like it might be as early as tomorrow that we'll see something from this deal on Game Pass, but no one's entirely sure what that's going to be yet or if it's going to be anything at all. Uh, we'll see. Um, right then, finally, um, another part of this Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal was, of course, that um, the UK regulator wouldn't pass it because of its cloud gaming intent and how Microsoft were looking to monopolize it. And instead, what they had to do in order for the merger to pass was to pass the cloud streaming rights of Activision games to Ubisoft. So here in the UK, Ubisoft Plus will be housing a good majority of the Microsoft games on their cloud. 
um, along with Game Pass. And um, in the rest of the world, I think they're, they're just going to be on Game Pass. But it's it's a very kind of interesting deal. And um, Ubisoft have taken to the interwebs to talk about it this week. And what they have mentioned was about the the uh, the physical games and where we are right now with people wanting physical games, people buying physical games. And um, it came up with an interesting um, quote. So I'm going to get into it now. This is, of course, VGS. This is VGC. VGS? What? VGC. This is Tom Ivan. Uh, Ubisoft executive Chris Early foresees a future where physical games may continue to decline, but he doesn't think they'll ever go away completely. The Assassin's Creed publisher recently agreed to acquire cloud gaming rights outside of the European economic area for all Activision Blizzard games released over the next 15 years. And while the company is betting on streaming revolutionizing, revolutionizing the games industry in the same way it has transformed the TV and film businesses, Early, who was, in, who was an influential figure in the negotiations for the Activision rights, thinks physical sales will always have a place. Quote, there is a collector's edition market. There's the aspect of gifting physical items and allowing access for people to be able to early purchase a game in a store and gift them for their friends and family. Some people always want to own a physical disc. I just don't think it's going away. Do I think physical sales may get lower over time? Sure, but it will never completely go away. At least I don't think it will. Sony, which currently offers disc-based and all digital versions of the PS5, said digital accounted for 67% of the 264.2 million games sold for its consoles during its last fiscal year, which ended in March. Microsoft, who already offers the all-digital Xbox Series S console, could be set to launch an all-digital Xbox Series X next year, according to a recent leak. While most AAA games are currently received dual physical and digital releases, some are only available to download, like the upcoming Alan Wake 2. So, this is an interesting one. Um, we're always talking about whether or not consoles will finally just move to digital and whether or not physical will still have an audience. Um, and Ubisoft seems to think that there is still going to be an audience for physical games. Uh, your dog, do you agree with them for the foreseeable future? I I must be going mad, but I do actually agree with someone from Ubisoft. What, hey, uh, look at that! Am, am I having a fever dream or something? No, um, <laughs> Evidently, I'm very ill or something, but uh, I completely agree with him. I think there's always going to be a market. Uh, collectors' editions that I've in the last five, six years, I've started seeing a lot more fancy collectors' editions popping up again, and not just for big AAA titles. Um, there's like two or three I've got my eye on right now. I'd love to if I had the money to pick up, but uh, it, it's starting to feel like the prices are massively going up compared to what they historically were, but they are, there are more of them available. Um, so yeah, I can probably agree with you. I think there's always going to be a market for them. It's not going to be a huge market. And as we continue tra to transition to uh, digital marketplaces, um, I mean, the transition's already done in many cases. I mean, I do digital only nowadays. I think quite a lot of people do. Yeah. But it's going to become even more and more prevalent. I, I do wonder if we'll get to the point where um, something like the next Sony console doesn't have uh, a disk drive in it. It's digital only, like for everyone, not just it being an option. It's just the entire console. Um, I don't think that's going to happen for quite a while yet, but I do wonder whether long-term that will ever happen. But even if that was to happen you just put a code in the box instead and have all the other fancy stuff with it 
So yeah, we see that a lot already, don't we? Mm. Like the um, most recently, the Starfield, the massive consolation edition, the one that came with the smartwatch. Um, the code for the game was embezzled onto the side of the watch or something. Um, yeah, that's that's one of the ones I really wish I was able to get hold of, but um, the, it's it's going to be interesting to see what sort of cre- creativity is put into keeping collector's editions fancy moving forward um, and what they put into it in order if they're not putting a physical copy of the game in and they're just putting a code in what else they'll put in in order to make people you say you don't want 19 inches of Sephiroth inside you <laughs> I would love 19 inches of Sephiroth <laughs> inside me um, that sounds like a, a right good night however yes. Uh, moving on. He uh, said that on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I just wanted you to remember that. That's fine. If someone wants to quit this and use it against me in future, send it to my girlfriend. She'll just laugh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I agree with Ubisoft. I think that's the shocking thing here. They've actually come out with a sensible statement and they're not like chucking NFTs or all sorts into the mix. So um, I'm I'm amazed. This this is progress. <laughs> Maybe there's hope for Ubisoft yet. Maybe, maybe. Come on, Avatar's going to be amazing. All right, all right. Let's uh, keep a positive outlook. Out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the the only Ubisoft game I've enjoyed in recent memory is Anno eighteen hundred, and that was a series which uh, they've only released the most recent one. They haven't really massively had an impact on it, so. Well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I know eighteen hundred. See, I had I had I had Ubisoft Plus for a while on my on my PC when I first got it. Yeah, and the only series I was like, what "The fuck is that?" Was I know eighteen hundred. I've never heard of it before. <laughs> it's uh, it, I do quite like that series. I did play Assassin's Creed Odyssey as well, and I liked it, but I liked it because of the setting, not because of the game. I very mm. much get into the setting of a game as opposed uh, at times, and ancient Greece is one of my favourite time periods. So an Assassin's Creed set in that period was always going to do well, but um, it's yeah my my opinion of Ubisoft is unfortunately I feel bad. I am I do bash on them a lot, but my opinion's gone down over the years. It's going to take quite a lot of. Uh, effort to actually reverse that, I think. Yes, I'm not. I think so. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Um, Miles, as I understand that, I've not been in town for a while, but am I right in thinking that game is now in the back of Sports Direct? Is it? I actually didn't know this either. <laughs> that's what I've heard. Oh, oh that, that, that's that's uh, in my town, that's the case. Is yeah, it? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, See, game doesn't even have its own physical stores anymore. Yeah, they just got a corner in the room. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're just tucked the, away outside. A big corner in the room. Oh, yeah, yeah. For mine, because Sports Direct are always huge. But yeah, they share so, the counter. So, Miles, talk to me about the future of physical games. Yeah, I mean, I'm a bit like Yog in the sense that I think Ubisoft or the statement actually was pretty on point. I don't think physical sales are going to be by quite a significant chunk. I don't think they're going to be the main driver for a lot of game sales anymore. Um, I think even on a personal level, I used to religiously only buy physical. 
Um, but in the last, I don't know, maybe three, four years since COVID, probably, I have barely bought a physical copy of any game. Even like the biggest releases now, I just don't bother. The convenience is so much easier for digital. And I know that's kind of like a, a laziness thing on my part, but there's just something about having them just available on the hard drive straight away that's just appealing. And I think that's sticking out to a lot of people now. Um, I think, and I would like to see that there is always a market for physical discs, um, simply because like game preservation is a thing. I think also I still have physical copies of my favorite games from the PS3 era and onwards. Um, <clears throat> and I think there's like a sentimentality that comes from having a physical copy. Um, they obviously talk about collector's editions, trading with people, you know, lending games, all that kind of thing still applies, but I think for the majority of people who play games now, the convenience is the biggest factor. And the simple fact is it's just easier to get games through the stores themselves. Um, I think the only kind of difference is that it's a very Western thing because in other continents, countries, um, they might not have, for example, unlimited data um, like we get here, or they might not have access to reliable internet like we do. <clears throat> so I think there will always be an, a, nece a necessary need for physical copies. I'd hate to see them go completely. Um, and it's why I do disagree with games being digital only, aside from, you know, small indies who don't have big budgets. Um, I think there just should be. And it's, I know with Remedy, we are all really looking forward to Alan Wake 2, but I was disappointed, even though I wouldn't buy it physical, that they're not going to do physical copies because I just think you wipe out a big chunk of people who otherwise probably would have bought that game and really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit of a difficult one because I think the future of the industry is most things will be digital. Um, and I think we're all going to have to you know, keep banging the drum of physical copies, even if we personally aren't that bothered. Um, because I think they're just important to have. And, you know, I still, having just packed up a lot of my stuff and moved it, you know, my favorite box is the one with all of my old school games in it. You know, I've got Metal Gear Solid 4 and Devil May Cry 4 in there and all sorts of stuff that I played way back when. And it's Metal Gear Solid. I know. Metal Gear Solid. You can't say Metal it. Gear. I can't say it. You're on... No, you can't say it. It's redacted. No, no, no. I can say Metal Gear Solid 4. Redacted. You're redacted. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, just having copies of like my old school PS3 games, it's just really nice to look back fondly on them. So yeah, yeah I think it is true, but um, I'd like to see physical copies hang around and I think we'll bang the drum for them, even if we personally aren't as bothered. Physical copies I have, all I have now are limited run games. Yeah. Or I've got Night in the Woods, which came in that awesome package. Um, or Lake. And um, that was signed by the whole team. So I've got like special edition ones like that. Yeah, like um, souvenir ones, really, isn't it? Yeah, they come on discs. I don't have anywhere to put the disc. I got a digital PS5. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I've got, um, it's nice having those copies anyway. It's nice looking up and going, oh, well, well there, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you exactly. Um, but see, I've got them for, for that, you know, I don't ever see myself buying a physical console again. Again, because of the, just because just of the convenience of a hard drive and a fast internet connection. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, that's 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 all I need, you know. Um, but I understand that you know there are people out there. There are people like the, the, the more casual players, like the CODs and the FIFA players of the world, who just play them all year round. You know, they're not going to buy them digitally. They're just not. You know, yeah. they go out every year and they buy FIFA and they buy COD, and that's it. 
and so you know physical copies of those games will still be huge i think and you know for as long as switch is selling 120 million hardware sales and you know they're doing digital and, and physical copies of mario games and zelda games you know that's going to keep the industry alive as well i think yeah 100 percent what was it breath of the wild out like sold more units than the switch itself for its first year or something so quite clearly people still do like their physical copies when they feel like it yeah yeah a game outsold the console it's on i yeah. mean come on <laughs> come on now that's nintendo fans are a different breed they 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 really truly are um josh um are you on board with this do you think the physical still has a few or maybe a couple of generations left in it uh i hope it never dies to be honest with you um pretty much just because of the same points that everyone else is making in terms of preservation and uh, accessibility for people that might not have uh, strong internet connections like, say, the UK or even America. But America still has a cap. Like, they can't have unlimited like we do. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a strange position. I do see a lot of uh, indie publishers kind of uh, bearing the torch on physical media because they know how important it is for some people to keep it as a keep safe. Um, I'm definitely someone that also, if a game comes out digitally initially, say like an indie game, and I loved it, I will go out and buy the physical copy that's normally like a special edition. And that means I've bought two copies. So I'm attributing to both digital and physical sales at some point. Um, but um yeah, I, I'm definitely leaning towards digital nowadays in terms of uh, what games come out. It's normally only digital. I think that's part of like the indie space is um, maybe a lot of companies can't actually afford to press physical copies unless there's like what you said, like a limited run. Um, and that's normally only because they've already got an established audience for the game because it's already come out uh, and people are excited as a collector's item. Um and it, I think it can potentially go in the way of like vinyl. Vinyl has like a, mass, a massive resurgence and to the point where it's outselling any other way of music, um, apart from maybe streams, but like definitely in CDs and stuff like that. Um, vinyl was outselling everything. Um, so, and I think it is because there is a bespoke experience when it comes to having physical media, especially when it's done well. Uh, so, yeah, I hope it stays around. I know it probably won't for the for the companies that probably look at money and be like, oh, do you know what? It would cost a lot less if we pressed Spider-Man 2 on digital only and instead of going printing out all these copies that, of course, we're going to sell, but we're still going to sell a lot more digitally, and that's a fact. Um, and, and that's all it is, isn't it? It's about cost. It's not even about the kind of eco-conscious side of it of, oh, we'll be saving the planet if we don't print 2 billion copies of our game. Uh, they're just thinking, oh, it's going to cost us $2 billion less to print our game. Um, so, yeah, it's it's more forward thinking in very narrow terms that not everyone can get behind, and I'm not fully behind it, just because I think there is something special about having the game. And uh, a lot of games these days, or every game like on the disc, is basically a key. So once the sort of service is down, say PlayStation in a hundred years goes down, like those games from PS4 onwards that had to be installed, and then the the disc is basically a key to get into that game. Like it's pretty much over if you've not got it downloaded already. Um, yeah. So they're not forever. 
um, by any means, uh, which is a which is a crying shame. But um, you're just you're only a license holder. You're not an owner, um, and I think that's a very scary thought in terms of going digital and erasing physical media. Yeah, I mean, we look at you know PC and um, all the all the FIFA's that got just all of them were removed from digital stores uh, once FC24 came out. And that's, you know, perhaps you know, no one's going to be interested in old FIFAs, I know, but, you know, the, the fact that they're, they're not available to buy at all on digital stores is kind of crazy, I think. Yeah, it's, it's erasure of games. Mm. Like, it's getting rid of games. Um, people like uh, The Completionist did that massive feat of downloading everything from the Wii U store, I believe it is. Because mm-hmm. um, the because the Nintendo store was closing down uh, forever for Wii U and Wii, um, so he bought every single digital game uh, from every region and um, archived them with the game library archive. So that's going to be there forever now um, because of him. He spent thousands and thousands of dollars doing it, um, but it was for the sake of preservation because things like this does happen. Like things are lost in time because they've just gone from digital stores or digital stores closed down servers shut down for games that are multiplayer like it's not a forever thing and and we are people that want to keep it forever because we're passionate about what uh, our hobby and you know we want to pass it on it's like movies like you don't just make a movie disappear um but yeah so it's it's a scary place but there are people that are championing in the the physical space and or at least um the uh sort of the permanence of digital stuff by like what i said about the completionist kind of making sure that it's not lost forever yeah yeah preservation is hugely important and um you know emulation is important as well and i think that's why people are so worried about you know nintendo stores closing like the wii and the wii u you know they have they each have their virtual consoles which of course had tons of classic games on there and you know nintendo are very infamous for sitting on their franchises and doing very little with them outside of mario and zelda and so you know people have that fear that those old games would disappear completely and all the ips and the characters and the stories and so you know that 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 preservation is important but i just hope that yeah i just I, i just hope the physical games stick around because i know there are tons of people that just want physical and um yeah, there's still a massive audience for it. Yeah, but and I don't necessarily condone it, um, and I don't think it's a massive audience. But this is where piracy comes into play as well. Like people are just going to download illegal copies of games because they're going and disappearing, and you know to extent rightfully so. Like if you're getting rid of a game, the only way to get it is through illegal methods. Like why shouldn't they? You know. So yeah. Especially ones that you've paid for in the past. Yeah, at least you know. once. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, alrighty then. That uh, brings us to the end of the news. Um, so let's get some recommendations. This is where we find something throughout the week that we want to share with you, our loyal listener, whether it be a game, a TV show, a movie, a comic book, a Google Stadia controller, or a light up Harry Potter wand. I don't know. I'm looking at things in my flat. Uh Miles, do you want to go first? 
Yeah, mine's pretty easy, to be honest. I just recommend trying EGX if you haven't before. Um, I honestly don't know why it took me this long to go to an EGX, given that I've lived in the UK for since 2012. Um, so if you've been sitting on it for a while and you've been tempted or you've been a little bit kind of anxious about going, don't be. It's a really welcoming, friendly place. And genuinely, I just had a really nice time. And yeah, if you like games, you just need to try it it's worth doing even if it's just once um so yeah it was just an easy recommendation for this week if i'm honest but it's an obvious one but a good one you waited until he could go for free ladies and gentlemen that's what he did it wasn't that i was always scared <laughs> <laughs> oh i've got a free pass for the entire event i guess i'll go this year All right, then. yeah it was nice to be fair <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yonko, what are you recommending our audience this week? Uh, I'm going to recommend Warhammer. No way! No way. Wow! Uh, but specifically, they released uh, some new Terminators recently, which I'm just putting together uh, before this podcast and after, likely, as well. Um, and they're just much easier than older models to put together. So it's a, it's been quite a bit of fun to start uh, just assembling them. So if you do like model making, some of the more recent releases from GW have been a lot easier compared to some of the older ones and a lot less fiddly. And the detail is really cool on them. So and uh, Terminators are my favorite unit in 40k. So... I have to recommend them anyway. It's the rules. It is the rules. I don't think we could have passed without you doing that. <laughs> Indeed. Oh dear. Uh Josh, what are you recommending this week? Um, it's a hard recommendation. Um, only purely because it's not a cheap thing to do. It kind of broke the bank for both me and Miles uh, the other night. But uh, we tried out Shake Shack, which is like an American chain on the eastern side of America, uh, where they do burgers and milkshakes. Um, and it, it was pretty good, um, albeit very expensive. And I don't know if that's London, don't know if that's the brand, but it was expensive. Um, and I'll probably do the next craziest thing I'm going to recommend. I'm going to recommend something that I haven't even seen yet, because I just appreciate uh, the person behind its work that they've put out um and that's the fall of the house of usher um it's written and directed uh, by mike flanagan so i would have put a hundred pounds on you saying killers of the flower moon oh i've not seen that yet oh uh, but <laughs> it's it is this week i'm hoping last cinema gets it next to tay tay i missed you know what i'm so glad i went to egx this weekend because oh, i bet week, you are though. yeah <laughs> I don't envy the person that had to stay until three in the morning for that one person that booked in last week. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. No way. <laughs> yeah, it was like an over 18 event because of their policy after half 10, everything's like 18 plus. And it was just one person booked and they were there till half three in the morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you just, you have to be there. Um, but yeah, TV show, The whole, the Fall of the House of Usher. Um I can't really tell you much about it because I have no idea what it is, except from it's Mike Flanagan, who you know as The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Blind Manor, and one of my personal favourite TV series of the last 10 years. Um, God, why have I forgotten the name? Midnight Mass. Um, I thought that was a beautiful bit, bit of uh, TV. Perfect 10 hours. So many um, heartfelt monologues in that show. 
And a lot of the characters that are on these shows are in the fall of the House of the Usher. You've got a lot of recurring actors um, making new stories with the the new characters in this show. Um, I believe it's um, based off of some stories about uh, Edgar Allan Poe stories. Um, so take that as you will. So it's very horror adjacent. I've heard it's actually pretty funny, um, which isn't what we've kind of seen with uh, Mike Flanagan's stuff. Um so I'm really excited to delve into it as soon as I can. Um, we've kind of just got all the work out of the way now, so I can uh, hopefully binge watch it over the next few nights. Uh, that's on um, that's on Netflix, right? Yes, that's on Netflix. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's um, getting praise up and down, so I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, I'm not going to watch it, but I'm sure people that aren't afraid of these things will uh, have a wonderful time. <laughs> Maybe I will. I don't know. I, the, 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 I think, you'd, the, the I, I think cool. you'd have a really good time. I think you'd have a really good time with Midnight Mass, at the very least. It's not yeah. overly horrific, um, but I think you're quite um, you're quite with your like stage and drama background, and I think to appreciate the acting, you'd love what is on on offer there. Mm-hmm. I've heard, yeah, I've heard um, House of Usher is kind of a mix between The Haunting of Hill House and Succession. Oh, which sounds, sounds really awesome. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really, really intriguing. Yeah, so, yeah. It's uh, it is definitely one that's uh, on the list for sure. Um, all right, nice one. Um, I don't really have anything to recommend. I've, already, I've all I've been doing is playing Hot Wheels and Fortnite. I guess I could recommend Fortnite. Um, we're in Fortnite Mares right now, which is their yearly Halloween themed um event. Uh, but I don't think it's the best one I've ever done. I think it's probably the least. Fortnite Mary one that they've done. Um, normally, there's kind of an area in the map which is just full of zombies and monsters and stuff. It isn't the case um, this time around. Excuse me. What they've what they've done is they've taken it out and they've given it its own mode called Horde Rush, which is just as you can imagine, just you and your friends and a bunch of monsters um, just coming at you, and you just got to make it to the end. And you know it's fun, but what is interesting about this uh, this event is the licenses that they've got. Um, and the collaborations, which include uh, Jack Skellington, Mike Myers, and one more. What's the other one? There is another one, isn't there? Oh, I might have to be leaving you hanging with this one. Was I know what not... you're talking about. Was it uh, Nightmare on whatever, the Christmas Nightmare one? No, I've that's already, Jack Skellington. I've, yeah. Jack Skellington. I've already said it. It's on, It's in our Slack. Hang on. Oh, my God. Oh, Alan Wake. Alan Wake, that's the one. Yes, yes. Alan Wake. Thank you, Josh. Uh, yeah, Alan Wake. So I think you can you can own that character if you pre-order a copy of Alan Wake 2 through um, the Epic Games Store. The Epic Games Store. Ah, yeah, that's clever. Um, yeah. So, yeah, some fantastic licenses. That's Gamington in particular. I think I'm going to have to get Gamington, uh purely because I love The Night Before Christmas and... I just I like the idea of a Disney character in Fortnite, like a, a full-on straight-up Disney character. So it's, uh, yeah, that could open the floodgates to all sorts. We had a good laugh on the Slack the other day, debating what other <laughs> Disney characters could possibly be in Fortnite. Uh, but yeah, some major collaborations as ever. Um, was not expecting Disney. So uh, yeah, Skellington, I think, is the 20th. I think it lands. There's a lot going on on the 20th of October. My God. Uh, so be sure, if you're into Fortnite, if you're into Night Before Christmas, Check it out because I think uh, I think that's going to be a fun thing. And have you seen? Uh, we have, yeah, you have seen Michael Myers. Um, uh, his uh, emote, where he's playing uh, the theme song to 
Halloween on on the piano. It was like, oh, come on now. With his knife. With his bloody knife. That almost single-handedly brought me back. (laughs) There's rumours that the very first Fortnite map is coming back um, in the next chapter. Um, They say that a lot, but this one seems to have a little bit greener still because it's come from a very reliable leaker. But we shall see. We'll see what happens. Um, so yeah, I you know me, I love me some Fortnite. Um, I really I'm really enjoying this season again. The Fortnite match could have been better. It's not as exciting as it normally is. Um, zombies just popping out all over the place um, from previous years. But yeah, no, um, it's all good fun nonetheless. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I guess that does bring us on a end to the Fingers Podcast this week. Thank you all very much indeed for listening. Don't forget if you want to follow us, you can follow us absolutely everywhere. Just go to the link tree in the description below to find us in all the places. If you want to follow us on Twitter or X, you can at FNGRGNS. All of our individual handles are in the description below, of course, except for Miles, who's smart and not on Twitter slash X. If you really like what we do, you want to follow our Patreon for $1 a month. You can keep the podcast live on its various podcast setting services and keep the website nice and shiny. But that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Well done, Josh, on your on the EGS podcast for your outro. It was spot on. Thank you. I, I bet listeners are really disappointed or equally um, relieved that it wasn't me hosting this week's podcast. <laughs> I did a great job. You both did a great job. It was. Um, it's a really good Thank listen. You. So yeah, if you want a more detailed look into Miles and Josh, what they played at EGX, do go back to the EGX special podcast right below this one um, to find out um, everything about what they played. And of course, that awesome interview with the Assassin's Creed animation director, Benjamin Potts. But until next week, God knows what we're going to be talking about next week. I do wonder. But until then, it is goodbye from New York Dog. Officer Tenpenny. There it is. It is goodbye from Josh. Goodbye, everyone. And it's goodbye from Miles. Farewell. We'll be back next week to talk about, well, God, I can only imagine. Until then, we'll see you soon. Thank you very much for listening to the Fingers Podcast. I've been Roscoe. Oh, yeah.